code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Ahoy there, everyone, and we're so glad you're joining us for Minute 5 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Don't be shy. This is a fan-supported podcast, and we'd love to have your input, your comments, suggestions, and thoughts on the show, episodes, and the minutes we're even discussing. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. All the details and links are at blackpearlminute.com. Also, feel free to send us an email to podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We'll probably share your comments on future episodes. Your feedback is invaluable and will help us deliver a great show. So thanks again for joining us and for your input. I was poking around online the other day and, you know, I really am impressed by the following the movies have as well as just pirate lore in general. Uh, In June... Northern California Pirate Festival will be washing ashore right next door to our home port here. I remember seeing a billboard last year or something for it, vaguely. It was kind of before we were even thinking about doing this podcast. It just kind of stuck in my mind. So I did a quick search on Facebook and found that, yeah, they are going to be coming near us. You know, and then that with the Pirates of the Caribbean movie coming out in May. So we're looking forward to getting some good fan and pirate on the street interviews and reactions for bonus episodes and content. So the door is really opening and it should be really fun and exciting for us. So let's get rolling. In the last minute, we found out that the young boy rescued from the destroyed merchant ship is Will Turner, but the cause remains a mystery, pirate attack or accidental powder magazine explosion. Minute 5 begins with Elizabeth telling Will that she is going to look over him just as he passes out again. It ends after Elizabeth sees a pirate ship disappearing in the fog. Her eyes go wide in fright and then she shuts her eyes tight, and then they snap open again, wide-eyed as if awoken from a startling dream. A grown Elizabeth is in bed with a lit oil lamp on her nightstand. Well, I have a big three for this minute. It's the gold pirate medallion. We also have confirmation that the merchant ship was in fact destroyed by pirates and that this event was of the past or perhaps just a recurring dream of Elizabeth Swan. So how about we start with the gold medallion and work our way through these three reveals. Heather, do you want to walk us through Elizabeth's discovery? Sure. This moment is when Will passes out again. And Elizabeth notices a chain around his neck. So she kind of digs under his shirt a little bit. The edge was revealed of the medallion. And she pulls out the medallion and it easily comes off her neck. Did you happen to notice that? I did too. I noticed that. Yeah, it just kind of slides off. There's no yanking and no unclipping. It just, boop, and it's off. Yeah, I don't know if there's ever been something that slides off that easy like that for a necklace. Unless you don't want it to, I mean... Yeah, unless it was broken, but you'd think if it was broken, it would have came off in the water. Uh, for a hunk of gold that's that's that big, I would definitely want to make sure that the chain was pretty well clasped, if you will. Yeah, came off super easy. <laughs> yeah, they probably didn't want Elizabeth just really yanking on Will's neck. Or, you know. <laughs> she probably didn't have the strength to break it. Exactly. She didn't want his head bobbing all over the place as she's trying to pull this chain off of his neck. So they... I think they maybe went too far with that. Could have made it at least a little breakaway. So there's kind of a snap to it as opposed to just kind of sliding right off and and into her hand. Unless it was on the editing room floor, maybe that's what happened. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. So she pulls his net, pulls his, this medallion. Huh? Yeah. She pulls a medallion off his neck 
And then she um, is taking a look at it. And then she says, you're a pirate. But she's got this excitement about meeting a pirate. Exactly. Well, she just said in the previous, within the previous minute or so, I don't remember which one now. We haven't had that many, so I should remember what it is. Maybe like number two or something like that, where she says that she thinks it would be exciting to meet a pirate. And then her dad and Norrington say, yeah, we know you think it would be exciting. (laughs) So this is her first real pirate, actually, then she is meeting. So that's pretty cool for her. And it's somebody around her age? Or at least that she thinks is a pirate. Yeah. And someone her age. So that's kind of cool. And then when Norrington comes up and he asks what, if, if she's learned anything from the boy, she quickly grabs the necklace, puts it around her back like a little kid would. Did you notice well, that? Well, she is a little kid, yes. Yeah. I did, so it's I did notice that. And childlike behavior? <laughs> yeah, so she, either Lucinda, who's playing the young Elizabeth Swan, either nailed that performance or she was just running on instinct, like, hey, this is what I would do as a kid, that I would just take this and try and hide it. But it's not real coy. It's just like, yeah. I think because we know as former kids that that's how it is. And then being around some kids, it's just easy. And even in movies, there's there's that look that you get. And then ha- trying to hide something behind your back, it's pretty self-explanatory that maybe somebody's concealing something from me. This child is not going to outsmart me. Yeah. But clearly, Norrington is either outsmarted or he's so distracted that he's not really paying attention to that. Or maybe it's some kind of proper British etiquette that you got to hold your hands behind your back when addressing a <laughs> naval officer. Even when she answered him, she seemed a little suspicious. You know, she got a little... <gasps> exactly. That kind of noise and hiding it behind her back really quick. And yeah, I, I think he was just, you know, maybe it was just that he... There was so much going on at that moment that he was more engaged in that than what Elizabeth may have been hiding yeah, that's. I mean, there, there's a lot of distractions right now. There is a burning merchant ship, a British burning merchant ship. And I don't know if we mentioned that in the previous minute, but there is a British flag that's oh, floating yeah. in the water and the, with along with a bunch of other debris. So it's not that he has nothing else to think about. So And then there's potentially bodies and whatever else is out there that they're trying to recover or look for survivors. So it's not really the main thing. Maybe he was probably really just trying to get, hey... Did he say if this was pirates or an accident or what? And that he's just trying to get to the bottom of it fairly quickly to know if they need to be at the ready for something or if it was an accident, they can they don't need to necessarily have all the cannons ready to go and all hands prepared to fight. So Yeah. The other thing that I found that was interesting is that the writers were commenting on I was listening to an interview of the writers and they were commenting about An interesting point about this is that Elizabeth actually becomes the first pirate we see in Pirates of the Caribbean film franchise. And she becomes this pirate because she steals the medallion from Will Turner. And so because when she becomes this thief on the seas, she actually becomes a pirate. So kind of in this roundabout circle way that Elizabeth essentially becomes the first pirate we see by becoming a thief when she steals the medallion from Will. So Pirates of the Caribbean is not what you think. It's actually about a little girl, 12-year-old girl, who steals medallions from from <laughs> lone survivor boys on the open ocean right under the nose of Norrington, who's sworn and vowed to make sure that he captures and hangs all pirates. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think of it as stealing. 
I think of it as she knows what Norrington thinks about pirates and what he does to pirates. So I think of it as she's got this boy who she thinks is a pirate, but she feels she's saving him if she's hiding this medallion from Norrington and Norrington doesn't find out that he's a pirate. That's true because we don't know if she gives it back to Will. So at this stage, yeah. So spoiler, we're not really sure. So just... Forget all what I just said because we don't know what really happens with the medallion You're because like we like it. because we like to stay within the minute and we don't know what comes after that. But for right now, she does. She is exactly. I think that is exactly what she's doing. She's hiding this medallion. She's like, oh my god, this medallion has a skull on it. Skulls are obviously the sign of pirates, and he's wearing it. And he was in the ocean floating on shipwreck. By a burning ship, so he must be a pirate. He has the sign of a pirate. And Norrington just told me a few minutes ago that he vows to get rid of all pirates and that they should all be hung. They should all meet a short drop and a sudden stop. And this is now a pirate that she meets. And A, she's all excited about pirates. He's probably breaking all the pirate rules by not looking like a traditional pirate that she would think of. This is a, a cute little kid... Just her age. She's like, wow, I can't hand him over to Norrington. I'm going to be responsible for this little boy getting hung. (laughs) And there we go. We've already turned this into a gratuitous, you know, reality thing of a Disney movie about a a boy getting hung. And and that's not where we should probably be going at this point. Man, we really got to watch that. And she can't have her own pirate getting hung. Exactly. Her first pirate, and she's responsible for, for potentially him going, well, let's just say going to prison. Yeah. Okay. As a, as a, as a pirate kid. <laughs> but so. Norrington did say, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. So I, I think there's a couple of things there. Yeah. She is really excited about this. She has her first treasure, if you will, from a pirate. Mm-hmm. So it's a pirate treasure, and and she doesn't want to turn him over to the, the police, if you will. Yeah. Norrington. Yeah. So. And then the other big thing that we have is the pirate ship sighting. So I don't know what's more exciting is that we have the gold medallion or we actually have a pirate ship sighting. So we confirm that there is nefarious activity and that powder magazine wasn't the reason that this ship is sinking and all people died on there. So we do have clear evidence of piracy on the high seas and this mysterious black flag ship slipping into the fog. With the tattered black sails. And how does it sail like that? Yeah, we'll have to get into that probably if it if we get closer looks and we can really see how it's sailing later on. So we won't dive too much probably into that right now. But it is a good point. There's got to be some mystery surrounding that because, yeah, it would be difficult to, or at least to sail as quickly as you'd want to if your sails were all torn up like that. So I find it interesting that Elizabeth sees this ship with the black sails yeah, and doesn't say anything to anybody, doesn't yell out. There's a ship. She just keeps it to herself. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if it's because she's, again, excited about pirates and the whole mysticism or romanticism about pirates in her her mind that she lets it go or that Will is on board and maybe it's, okay, that's his pirate ship too or he's affiliated with that that she doesn't want to go ahead and turn turn them in and, and create a stink with that. So. Mm. I don't know what it is. I think, but I think it's part of that romanticism with pirates. And also, when so when she sees the pirate ship, 
Her eyes really get wide in fear. And I think she's thinking maybe pirates just might not be as exciting in real life too. It's not like that her eyes are like, hey, wow, I'm so excited. Not the same kind of look and exclamation she gave when she saw Will's medallion and she took that from him. It is a bit more of a fear that strikes her eyes. You know, they really get kind of wide-eyed as she sees the ship. And I think, hey, the ship is burning and people died and there's destruction. And then I see a pirate ship and it's like, well, I wonder, maybe she's thinking, hey, this might not be all that it's put out to be. Because it's there's some scary things that happen with pirates now. Maybe yeah. this is her first, you know, it's out of the maybe literature, out of the stories or the dime novels or penny novels or whatever they had in the 1700s that romanticized pirates and and now it was actually same thing that, yeah, she saw the rea- at least a glimpse of the reality of it. But she doesn't really know, you know, she doesn't really have that expression of fear until she really catches sight of the Jolly Roger of the flag. And we see that by the way that they're doing the filming of that. So she sees the ship and she's kind of in, in awe of it mm-hmm. that, hey, there's something there. But she really doesn't get that wide eyed fear until we zoom in or she sees the flag and says, okay, now I've really made the connection. This is a pirate ship. Now, yeah, so it's not right there, right at first, but it's when she really recognizes it that it is a pirate ship. And so I'm wondering, is this enough to kind of fracture her captivation with pirates, or is it going to further her attraction and that mystery surrounding it? Because although there is a burning ship and she has that destruction, she does have what essentially might play out to look like a good part of the pirate ship, which is a, a boy, yeah. So there's kind of these two different things. There's like these two pieces of pirate lore maybe in her mind that are butting heads. It's, yeah, pirate ship and the destruction. But then, wow, this is not the typical pirate. So do what do pirates really look like? Right. You know, are they all little kids like this? Or at least little kids are on board. Yeah. And so I think that's when she makes that connection with... And also when she sees that that Jolly Roger... Mm-hmm. And she's the way she's looking at the so she kind of does a double take. She looks at the medallion, she looks at the flag on the ship, and then she kind of looks back and forth. And so I think that's when she makes the connection that the medallion is maybe or at least it solidifies that the medallion and the pirates have intertwined there. Yeah, because she sees that it has a, a skull on one kind of a similar it's not exact, but there is a, a skull on the pirate flag to the Jolly Roger. Right. And then I also think that, you know, this medallion now represents a piece of the pirate world to her. So not only has she seen a pirate and actually touched a pirate, she's seen a pirate ship. Now she has her own pirate treasure. She actually has this gold treasure, this piece of a pirate world to her now is, is hers. It kind of injects her into a true pirate story. So maybe the, all that excitement is, yeah, now she has a story that she can tell for life. Or maybe she will or won't. I don't know. But yeah, look it. I have all of these new things from the pirate th- uh, world that I've been really into and, and fascinated in love with. and fascinated yeah. with. Yeah. So I was also, there was a lot of camera shot on the Jolly Roger, the flag itself. Uh-huh. So I did some looking into it. And just because I wanted to look into it, I don't really have anything for it. Uh, Is this you know, looking into why. it like the um, crest on the front of the ship? No, but actually, if people are keeping track, we did receive our books, and so now oh, yeah. I can go through them to see if if something's in there. I did a quick cursory search, just really quick, and I didn't really see anything. So I may actually have to go to Disney, like I promised, and see if I can get some answers. But we're talking about the Jolly Roger here. And the purpose of the flag was to terrify merchant captains and crews and inspire them to surrender without a fight. And so 
Oh, it just the sight of it. Yeah. So, you know, and that's kind of what we see with Elizabeth. You know, she yeah. sees it and gets that look of fear and fright on her face, or at least in her eyes. Yeah. And so it's kind of doing its job. And so the idea was is that this pirate flag would be well known and kind of have this reputation out there. And you see that, you know, that pirates are on board and this is what they do. So the whole idea was that it was an easy tactic. Fear was an easy tactic and often profitable. Fighting put pirate lives and vessels at risk, so they didn't want to go to battle all the time. It's not like the movies where we're seeing that. They also could potentially die or they could lose their ship or their livelihood. And they just didn't want to fight to fight. And so the Jolly Roger was a good way to help create that fear so that maybe people would just surrender without fighting. And because pirates are all about profits. It's we go, we get the treasure and then we can go ahead and spend it on yeah. whatever they want. It's, you know, kind of the the rum, women, and whatever else, things that they wanted. And so that's what it was about. And so if they could capture ships without fighting, then it was more profitable to them. You know, the it's a better outcome for them because then they didn't lose their crew and they didn't get hurt themselves and have any injuries. And actually, from reading in the, the book by Benerson Little, it was that uh, Pirate's Miss book, Golden Age of Pirates, Pirates actually captured most ships without a fight and really did rely on terror to make that happen. And as I was then looking really into the flag itself, there are actually, which is really interesting, there's three purportedly authentic pirate flags still in existence, and none of them are actually from the Golden Age of Pirates. And the Golden Age of Pirates is 1655 to 1725. And so these authentic pirate flags, about two of them, so two of them are believed to be from North Africa, One was purchased by a Finnish mariner dating to 18th to early 19th century. And another that was reportedly captured by naval officer Richard Curry right around 1790. But when people started really looking into the record in his naval career and stuff, they actually think that it was probably acquired maybe in 1801 to 1802. uh, Just the way that his naval officer career kind of went and, and where he was at the time. But both are simple skull and crossbones, which is kind of the typical pirate flag that we see today. You know, kind of the, the you know, the traditional yeah. pirate yeah. flag that we would, you know, associate with pirates. But the Curry's flag, the one that was found by or acquired by Richard Curry, is actually red. So oh, one really? of them's black, one of them's red. And then the Jolly Roger was not just the skull and crossbones we associate today. But also could have been a full skeleton or other symbols like a dart in one hand striking a bleeding heart, an hourglass. Essentially, they were taking some of these basic mortuary symbols, you know, symbols huh. of death and using those to on the flag. And so there were some variations for that, which I thought was pretty well, that's interesting. That's kind of interesting. You, you wouldn't think there'd be a red flag, you know? Yeah, there it was. Just, because, yeah. It, you, well, I never thought of it because it's... You always think of the Jolly Roger as a black flag, you know. Exactly. So we have our preconceived notions. Yeah. And they and actually it gets really in depth on you know, on the research of where these this association of the Jolly Roger came from and when it was first reported. Because I think a lot of the writings for if I can recall correctly, now I'm trying to get in without my notes to remember exactly what I read. But not all of the, or at least the writings of pirates, there was only like maybe four, maybe five accounts of actually the traditional Jolly Roger being written about in the 1700s. So it wasn't something that was just written about a lot or associated with pirates at the, at least written about or associated, because there were a lot of variations on the flag in its look. So... But they think that it even predates and can go back the skull and crossbones to earlier times that were being used for fear and terror. 
by other groups, not just pirates and things like that. So, so yeah, definitely probably could, we could probably fill up a whole show just talking about the flag and then me actually trying to be accurate about remembering exactly what I read and some of the research on it. So maybe I'll need to take better notes next time because Heather will prompt me with some questions that (laughs) I wasn't expecting and then trying to think back, okay, what was that I was supposed to to say or what I read. So that's probably better use for the fun with flags. With <laughs> so I think we've had a big bang reference before, yes. but if not, so now we have fun with flags by Sheldon Cooper, another big bang reference theory going on here. So we're all about references for sure here. So I found um, when Elizabeth sees the Jolly Roger, I wasn't sure, you know, she, she has that frightened look. She closes her eyes, but was that out of fright or was that she's, like closing her eyes to see when she reopens them if it's still gonna be there it was like her imagination oh that's a good point i didn't think about that it's possible that yeah so i could take it two ways then so one of them was it really plays well for the movie that she could close her eyes and so we're kind of getting into the end of this minute when she actually wakes up and so she looks at the pirate ship, she sees the flag, and then she kind of closes her eyes and then mm-hmm. opens them right back up. And that's when we see Elizabeth in her bed. Yes, they had. But yeah, them. so did she close her eyes because she was trying to see blink? It's like, hey, I'm blinking to see if, did I just really see that? Or is my mind playing tricks on me? Did I really foggy, see that in the yeah, fog? Yeah. Again, it's kind of comes back. I think we had a master and commander reference too, where we were talking about where he is, where they think they see, say, the French ship in the fog and it it was just barely you know something slipped by they don't know if they're really their mind was going to it russell crowe's character and so they see it they don't know did he really see it and then also the people who are supposed to reporting it he's like should we beat the quarters on this and he's like well i don't know if i really saw something or not so they finally decide to do it they're looking the captain comes up and tries to see did i really just see that or not so i don't know if this is the same thing with elizabeth trying to do that Did she really just see it or not? Or is it for the movie to set up this whole transition period where she closes her eyes and then she opens them because that's a nice way to end that dream minute. Yeah. And and move forward. And and this kind of gets into what we were talking about here and, and I mentioned in the in the beginning of this is did this really happen? Is this her reviewing her past and remembering her past? Or was this really a dream? The writers left it fairly ambiguous. Like, was she dreaming about this? Or is this a recurring dream she's had as a kid? Or is this something that happened in her past? And I opted really to think, even when I first saw this movie, that it was... Because it's a commonly used method to show that somebody is remembering from the past or through a dream kind yeah. of thing. Is to do that and have somebody close their eyes and then blink and then that are opened again in a new spot. So that's how I took it. But I was listening to some of the writer's comment and and that was how they kind of left it. Uh, but me personally, I just always felt that it was a reality that was her past. Yeah. Just real quick, Russell Crowe's character is Jack Aubrey. Oh, that's right. Aubrey. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thought you might want to. a quick know. internet search while we're doing this, <laughs> of course. So when she opens her eyes, she does seem a bit confused, which again leaves you wondering if it is reality or if it is a dream. Yeah, I don't know if it was. Yeah, why was she confused? You know, she's she was, remembering it. It was almost yeah. like, oh, I just remember this. It, it could have been interpreted that she had forgot. It was something she forgot about and just remembered it. But I don't know. I, I'm really not sure. Because that would... 
if she had forgotten about it and just remembered it, it would go really against her whole character that we've seen so far in her love and fascination with pirates. So it could have just been the look that she had, but in reality, it was like, wow, I, I'm just re- reliving that. And she had kind of this vivid dream with it and she opened her eyes and, and boom, she, she didn't expect to have that dream and be woken up by it and, and yeah, then moves forward. So. She's kind of looking, her eyes are kind of looking around the room I think, too, it gives me the idea that she's trying to figure out where she is. Oh, that's possible, yeah. You know, because she's looking around the room to kind of... And it's dark in there, you know. She just has the is it fire dark, burning. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it dark? And I don't know if I was going to talk about that somewhere else, but she does have this lit candle by the bed. Yeah. So it's dark, but... With oil in it, by the way. Yeah, an oil lamp that's sitting right beside the bed. I mean, I I personally go to sleep with a, a lit oil lamp on my nightstand, but that's I, I consider myself pretty kind of out of the ordinary with that, and I don't think most people do. Maybe one of the dogs will knock it over. Well, in the yeah, of I mean, night. I, I mean, I've almost lit myself on fire once or twice, but it's nice having that oil lamp right there when it's lit. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what that's about, and maybe we'll find out in later minutes why she has this at the ready. Or maybe people just did, you know, she wanted to do that for some reason. Or maybe help lights it in the morning for her to wake Mm. up for. I I don't really know, but it was a little odd that there's a lamp there. And maybe we'll find out in future minutes. Because we did end abruptly right there. Oh, yeah. That maybe, you know, she's just napping. I have no idea, but that was a little strange for me. Maybe it's a more of movie magic. (laughs) We're not supposed to think about it too much. But it gave you the perfect lighting for the situation. That's true. You can't have her just... Yeah, because if she just opened her eyes and it was pitch dark in this room, then we would be going, why are we looking at a black screen? Yeah. (laughs) So we wouldn't really know that. (laughs) I should mention that this is really also our first new location in the movie. It's not really a big deal, but it's our first new location that's off the HMS Dauntless. Yeah, we're no longer sailing. We're actually what it appears to be a bedroom of some kind. And I don't have anything else on my list. I don't know if you do. Yeah. I do. I actually have a couple interesting little facts. Oh well hit us with them. So since um Kira Knightley came into the picture, I figure I'd hit you with a Kira Knightley fact. Go for it. Did you know that she felt underqualified for this position and she packed very lightly (laughs) because she thought she was going to be fired within the first few days of filming? Wow. I heard she was only 17, though, so maybe that's part of it. You're stealing my facts. That was for a different day. I heard she was 19. (laughs) Yes, she's 19. (laughs) You're supposed to correct me and you still failed at that. Well, it's a different day. Oh. It's not today. Yes, she was seven. We'll do it. She was 17. And her mom actually was with her during on set for the whole filming of the movie. Yeah. Because she was so young. Yeah. 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 And plus, yeah, I can imagine that there's a lot of locations that they're traveling to in the set. And she obviously must be a, I mean, I don't know, but just from that one lone instance or point on a reference seems to be at least a concerned mother that she would be there hanging out to make sure that her daughter's okay. They're letting her sleep with flame men. That's right. (laughs) And and it is a pirate story where there's traditional pirate stories have walking the planks and sword fights that she didn't want her, her daughter being subjected to any of that. Exactly. And I have one more little fact that goes to the ride. The Pirates of the Caribbean ride. The ride was actually going to be a walkthrough attraction originally. It wasn't going to be a ride. Oh, so there was no boat with it. 
Right. You just walk through and see different sites. Oh, that had been a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the World's Fair in New York was going on at the time. So they got more ideas from the World's Fair. Huh. And I think it was a 64, 65 World's Fair in New York. So they got ideas from there, and then they they switched it up and made an actual boat ride. So, Very cool. Yeah, I think that, that the boat a... ride works really well, actually. Yeah. That was it. And this is getting off the movie, but the the actual ride itself was one of my favorite rides as a kid, and still is. Now I have a whole new appreciation for it. And I, we talked about some of this in our pilot episode, but I think the boat makes it kind of a relaxing scene. You know, it's relaxing mm-hmm. at the same time that you feel like you are kind of a pirate because you are in this boat. And you're kind of sailing through this whole world that's happening around you. I just find that pretty cool to have that. And I think it would have been a totally different experience had it not been a boat ride. If you were just walking through it, it would have been completely different. Right. Yeah, because you feel like you're sailing through and seeing some of this stuff as if you were right there when the action's taking place. And yeah. it had definitely would have been a different And it gives you, you know, the ride has so many different almost worlds you're going into. Yeah, it has you know, separations so for it, that. It's it's a really neat um experience but it's not long enough i you know i think it's like 15 minutes long or whatever it is it's that long really at least from the videos that i watch i think they were right around that time but it doesn't seem long enough all of a sudden you think okay what's what's going to be next and then you come back out and there's that disappointment when you're all of a sudden back out into the uh the grotto there i think is what they call it or or where the restaurant is oh yeah and it's like you're kidding my god that's it yeah, yeah, you know, you want it to go on longer than that. That's a neat part of the ride, too. That it is. That grotto area. That's all I have, unless you have additional information that you want to share. If you want to throw me under the bus or try and talk <laughs> me with something I don't know, well, then go for it. But other than that, we can wrap this I'm up. I'm trying and... to find the name of the book I'm reading. Do you remember what the name of it is? I don't recall offhand. I was looking for it, but... Oh, I have it right in front of me. The... So in the Pirates of the Caribbean, from the Magic Kingdom to the movies by Jason Sorrell, there's a quote in there I wanted to share about the ride. Go for it. And it's adventure of the unparalleled scope and artistry that would become and remain the crown jewel of Disney theme park experience. Wow, that's a good quote. That's a pretty cool quote, yeah. right? And it just goes to show that, you know, all these years it's been... I think it's been since like 67 or seven. So. Yeah. yeah. This ride is still one of the most popular rides in the whole theme park. I think because it, it's an immersive experience. It's not just a ride that you go on. It's kind of like small world actually, but a thousand times better. It's a small world. There's always huge monstrous lines for yeah. it. And it's not because it's a fun, exciting, or it's not, it's an exciting ride or a thrilling ride that gets right. your adrenaline going. It's because you're traveling through this kind of water canal and seeing all this cool stuff. Now that's transferred to pirates, which are a thousand times better than it's a small world to see all the different cultures. Not that there's anything right. wrong with culture, but pirate culture is obviously better and more awesome. <laughs> and there's gunfire and cannon fire. You see cool special effects. You don't really, I mean, you can have some of that, but so there's a, there is definitely a line for that, but you can see that people are going there to see this amazing stuff. And it's crazy that this, the Imagineers created something in the sixties that still holds up to this day that right. people really want to see. Now, they have done some updates, obviously, to mm-hmm. it. And they've incorporated some of the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff, which we'll talk about later when that gets more appropriate. And we can even talk about how we feel about some of that and 
what that means for purists out there who who like it how it was or those who are looking to incorporate stuff but any at any event disney is always trying to keep things somewhat fresh and and tie it to the movie because it is a money-making operation and so they do want to keep that connection alive for kids and people like myself who actually weren't there in the 60s to see it i think that there's that's part of it and so it'll be cool to that we can talk about that and the film and how all of that kind of touched everybody's lives and maybe touched everybody's lives out there and listening land well unless you have anything else i guess that wraps up minute five that's it for me so we'll be back tomorrow with minute six of the curse of the black pearl on the pirates of the caribbean minute until then and as always let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum now where's my grog i'm not getting you any more grog Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. And visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter for additional content and post-episode discussions.